it's, it's, it's almost like we're professional, nor is that we're good at it. Gosh. Well, hi there, and welcome to another edition of Live at Lee's Place, brought to you by Vocal Mastery. My name is Lee McRae, the creator of the Vocal Mastery system, which you can check out at vocalmastery.com. And as I always say, there's never been a better time to become a great singer. And speaking of great singers, my very special guest today is somebody I've known for quite a while now. We might delve into that a little bit later on as we go along. Please say hello to Natalie Carboni. Hi. Hi. It's you. You made it. You got through the traffic. Just through the traffic. Roadworks. Roadworks. Guys at the back here decided to excavate today, but we're doing our best. And if it's noisy, so be it. So be it. Because the content's the most important thing. How have you been? Really well. How are you? Oh, I can't complain one bit. Not one bit at all. Men of my age going just along just fine, you know. Yeah. Um, you've been doing a lot of travelling, right? A lot yeah. of travelling, yeah. yes. Had uh, a few months at home at the moment, but um, for the yeah last five years, lots of travelling. The last five years. That's, that would be a name for a musical. Hey, that's an idea. We, we, we should, should write a show. I think it might have been done. Mm-hmm. And by the way, you can check out Natalie's details I guess it's down here, everyone does that, don't they? You know, it's in the description it's be box. Somewhere, yeah. It'll be somewhere, and um, you know, uh, it's worth checking out. Believe you me. Um, we, we'll delve into a little bit of what you've been doing in the last few years, uh, but I, I, I've got a bit of a thing about sort of finding out where it started. And um, the, a question I ask everyone who comes on to our show is, when did you know you were a singer? Okay. Um... That's a, it's an interesting question. It almost has two answers. Right. Uh, Give us both of them. Right. I started uh, music. My mum put me into um, early childhood music when I was about three and a half, four. So oh, I right. would just be in the environment of, of music and, you know, percussive instruments and um, working with a great teacher who we're still, we're still in touch with, actually, from when I was that little. Um, and I was always singing around the house. So I was just always humming, you know, basically I didn't shut up from mm-hmm. a very young age but I didn't sing on stage till I was 14 13 oh, okay. or 14 oh, yeah, at high school so I, I didn't have a lesson until I was yeah about 14 years of age right. I was just a piano player like I, that's what I did but I was constantly singing and uh, it was about that age when I'd I was getting very frustrated with piano. I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to do my exams. And I just said, I really want to sing. And so um, I went to singing lessons. And then I didn't touch the piano again for almost 10 years. And then, Mm. yeah. What a great thing you had that foundation in piano, right? Absolutely. Would you say that then coming back to it, um, I think that's been in the time I've known you that you you got a little more committed to the piano playing. Yeah. So I think when I met you, I I came as, uh, I'm a singer. I know I do you know, I sing for people or I sing in shows. And Mm -hmm. then sort of around that year, I decided that there might be a lot more work out there for me if I could, um, you know, do it by myself and Mm -hmm. not rely on other musicians or rely on other people to accompany me. So I started dabbling in the piano again. Mm. And um, obviously with the help of, you know, um, well, a good friend of yours and my mentor, Noel McDonald. Hi to Noel. Yep, hi to Noel. Hello, Noel. What a fan. (laughs) And what a wonderful man because she has the same birthday as me. Same year, the whole bit. Everything. And a a magnificent singer. We're we're hoping to get him in here at some stage as well. That'd be fantastic. Well, he better return the compliment then when we. We'll see see what he says. (laughs) No, uh, he was amazing. And I stumbled across him when I was 18. He was singing. And I just remember Mm. thinking, I don't know who you are. But I have to sing with you, and he was a bit like, mm-hmm. "Okay, yes, yeah, okay, sure, right, mm, all right." Heard that before, and then um, fate had it that we yeah joined forces, and yeah, a- we'll uh, we'll talk more to Noel when we see him, and yeah. of course, but but I, my first encounter with him was um, Star Search oh, in yeah. the nineteen eighties, and watching yeah. him, and uh, anyhow, once again, when we get him in, uh, I'm sure that footage will be around somewhere. Albeit, both he and I share uh, common things. We have footage which is on videotape. So for anyone uh, watching, a videotape was a format that used to be around quite a while. <laughs> um, it's interesting with the piano playing, uh, the, most of the, of the singers that I've uh, admired in my life, most of them are piano players. Um, yeah. You know, uh, even I was astounded to, know, to learn that a lot of them played, even though you don't see them play live. That's right. But they have a foundation in music. Yeah. And, and the other thing I can vouch for, I have two um, grown-up children now. They both started piano just before they went to school. My daughter pursued it fairly well till about 12, 13, 14. Mm-hmm. My son, not so much, but they both still can play. Yeah. And I know that even at the, they're only, you know, um, well, one's just 18, the other one's 21. 
I know if they returned to it, they would pick it up that's quite right. well. Yeah. And I think that's that's certainly something. Now, I do want to give some assurance to folks um, who are thinking, oh, well, I'm watching this and I'm in my 40s and I've never played the piano. But if you've got the 10 fingers, you're fine. That's right. Uh, I didn't start until I was uh, about 23 or 24, actually. Okay. Albeit that um, I, I was a guitar player for a while. I fact, you started as a drummer and all that stuff, which we won't get into too much today. But, but you know, I, I, I found that, um, you know, it was doable. And, of course, I have no comparison at that point. But I think it's a good fundamental thing. Singers get dismissed readily as not being musicians. I talk about this all the time. And some of them, quite frankly, I mean, you know, we, yeah. we've got the running gags that we have, you know, about people saying, well, I'd like to sing my way by you know, uh, Frank Sinatra, what key, the same as the record, the whatever that means. And and it, I, the last count that I saw, there were over 3,000 cover versions exactly. of that recorded. So you do need to be somewhat conversant, mm-hmm. you know. And I know in your studio you, you insist on it. Uh, here I insist on, yeah. on people having at least a basic knowledge, being able to talk through at the very minimum, talk through with their audition piece, oh, piece I like this kind of tempo, please start from bar, whatever. That's right. All no, right. I always say it, yeah. I think it's been it's mm. a, a great foundation. And if my mum watches this, she'll, she'll um, definitely I hope she it. watches it. <laughs> she's oh. always said, she's like, you'll thank me one day. You'll thank me. Because I hated, I did not want to play piano when I was younger. I hated doing my, my yeah. exams. I didn't like the pressure of a Stedford's. I didn't like any of that. And she's like, you will thank me one day. Mm. You will. And then when I started it, she's just like, aren't you lucky that your mother, you know, made you do piano mm. lessons when you were younger? And she's right because it's made everything a lot easier. And it's, it just makes a lot more sense. And communicating with other musicians, you don't feel. Yeah. And like- dare I say, given the climate of how um, professional music is where we are in Australia, and it may, this may be true on a worldwide basis, it's provided you with an income. Oh, absolutely. That where you're not you're not solely you're you're not reliant upon other musicians mm-hmm. to to perform. That yeah. you know, which as I say, we will get to that a little bit later on because I want people to know the kind of demands that are placed upon a singer in your environment, and we'll we'll talk about that at length. Uh, some memories going to me. Your your father is a, a, a musician, yes. right? A drummer and yeah. Uh, yeah. So this was something that was just quite natural to yeah. you as you grew well, up. I mean, Dad's whole family is very musical. They're all still over in Italy, Italy right. and Switzerland, um, and they've sort of branched out into America as well. But the whole family was musical. My dad's mm-hmm. side of the family, Mum's side of the family, mm-hmm. not musical. Right. It was Mum that sort of said, "I want the girls to do music because it's something she always wanted to do." But obviously, you know, just where she was and where she, you know, it wasn't something that was possible for her. But Dad was, um, yeah, Dad was a drummer for years. He still drums in a band. He's such a rock star. Yes. And uh, But he worked on cruise ships and him, him and his brothers and sister had a band for a while there. And, yeah. You do know the running jo- joke there. And, we, and well, no offence to any of our dear friends who are drummers who are watching. <laughs> we love you all. But uh, a five-piece band is any great four musicians and a drummer. Yes. Sorry. That's I, Oliver, isn't it? Your dad's yeah. name. Yeah. Sorry about that. Bad joke. We might cut that out, but, you know. It no, it's work. all right. I think he's heard it before. I yeah. think it's all right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's a lovely man too. I've met him on a number of occasions. So that's interesting. Uh, and you're the oldest of three sisters. Oh, you're, you're in the middle. I'm the middle. Sorry, I've, I've got that's that wrong right. plenty of times, haven't yeah, I? Yeah, that's okay. Well, there was a three-way guest sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, that's it. No, definitely yeah. the middle child. But your Tanya is a singer, memory. A musician. Uh, my older sister is she's she's a drummer first and foremost. Yeah, well we've already but we've she's handled incredible. that already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she also plays piano. She teaches drums, piano, guitar, bass. Um, she's a great songwriter. She's mentored a lot of you know children mm. through their music careers. Um, and she can sing. It's never been something that she's pursued, but you know right. she can. Mm-hmm. And then I'm the middle. So I play piano and sing. And then my younger sister, she did start with piano as well, but it it wasn't something that she pursue but she's very artistic she's a great makeup artist and so she's got that streak Fantastic. Of, yeah wonderful so that was the long-winded answer of when did you know Sorry. now i used no that's okay this is what this is about to chat it's it's the the point of knowing when you're a singer and it may not have been when you were 14 when you went on stage you, yeah is is from look in my case i don't remember a time where i wasn't a singer Right. Um, I remember moments about singing in front of people, and I've spoken about this on some of our other episodes where I, I, I unashamedly say it made me feel really good about myself, and thank goodness that it did because um, you see that 
you know, with kids when when something goes, whether they be good at sport or whether they be good at, at, at with academic or whatnot, you want something that makes you yeah, feel good about yourself, absolutely. and it, it really does help to develop character. Um, and it also pretty much played hand in hand with being a bit of a show off as well. And you know, well, it was just something not, not that, that you're like that. You know, not at all. I'm the, I was the shyest <laughs> child you've ever met Indeed. in your life. I still am quite shy and reserved. But look, high school was definitely a turning point for me. Right when I be, was able to do music as a subject, and it was something that I was naturally mm. just the best mm. at. You know what I mean? I didn't come first in any other subject at school. Gotcha. So it was that was the turning point for me. It was kind of like, oh, here's something that I don't have to stress about that much to get the marks mm. that I want to get because I already had the foundation of understanding music. So, and then my senior years, my year 11 and 12, I changed schools and went to just a senior, senior select high school. And, um, that was a real, a real moment. Yeah. Cause we got a mm. lot of performance opportunities. Do you know what I mean? So I was constantly getting asked to sing here or sing there. And, um, and I really had to, I had to sort of, you know, um, climb up the ladder. When I mm. first got there, I wasn't looked at as we had a very strong year of great singers, and I was not one of them. Right. But I was well, determined I to. Yeah, you. I was determined to sort of, you know, and um, yeah, I ended up doing yeah great things with my HSC. So uh, that's an interesting thing. That I, I did not know that about you uh, with that in that area. Um, one of the things that that we're uh, looking at doing with these podcasts and with these um, recordings is having people like yourself who've been in the business for a long time who really understand the what it takes to perform night after night after night just give us a little bit of a heads up at the the kind of regime that you or the kind of routine that you have and then we might talk about some specific exercises that you know that work mm-hmm. really really well for you yeah so um I, I sing when I'm on the cruise ships because I, I work on the cruise ships. When I'm on there, I do um, between four and five hours a night straight. Um, no break generally. I sort wow. of just go straight through. So it is, to me, I've sort of come to, like my mentality is that I'm a I'm an athlete and I've got to run a marathon every night. Mm-hmm. So um, I have the same, I'm very, very strict in giving myself the same preparation every day to be ready for that long haul okay and um i'm just going to warn out this is a vocal tip coming your way right now <laughs> right tell us what that is so i i'm just i'm very yeah i'm very funny on the ship i've got to have a certain amount of sleep so if i depending on what time i go to bed will depend on what time i wake up and if i've had right. a rough night's sleep then if that means that i just get up and eat and go back and sleep i've just got to i've got to be well rested i've got to have sleep um water hydration i no, I need to drink at least, I, I like to have three liters. We get 1.5 liter bottles on the ship. So two of those, I want to finish those three hours prior to performance time. Mm-hmm. And that way I don't generally have to have a sip of water the whole time I'm singing, like okay. maybe one or two, but I'm so hydrated. Um, I generally wake up and go straight to the steam room and go for a walk, get some fresh air. And um, sort of if my, my show time starts at nine, by six o'clock is when I have to have finished whatever I'm doing, like going out on an excursion that day mm-hmm. or, you know, hanging with some friends or whatever. I have to be back in my room and that's when I start the process of getting ready. This, like hair, makeup, vocally, mentally, all that sort of stuff. So it becomes oh. this little sort of three-hour me time mm-hmm. and uh, pep talk and vocal warm-ups and all that sort of stuff and mm-hmm. just feeling comfortable and I don't get dressed till the last minute, so I'm comfortable. Gotcha. But yeah. uh, And then um, it just comes with, you know, I'll just start talking. I literally sit in my room and start talking to myself, just using my voice, making sure everything's sort of in the right place. Um, you know, I'll be sipping on some more water as well. And um, as I'm getting ready, I'll just start doing some exercises. I have your app on my iPad and my phone that just sits there well, in my room. That's a shameless plug right there. <laughs> hey. That's the Vocal Mastery app Actually, available on Android and um, and well, smartphone, isn't it? Yeah. It's called. Sorry, I should know. And it's free. It you know, is. It's a free app. I think most people that I've met on cruise ships now have your app. Well, there you go. Because they always come to me and say, like, how do you sing? For that long, and I tell them about. It, I say, look, do you do warm ups? And a lot of people don't warm up before no, they I'm, sing. No, I'm amazed at that. Blows it's my mind. Yeah. I say, but an athlete would never go for a run without stretching legs, or a dancer mm. would never try and. Do you yeah. know? Like it just it doesn't make sense to me. I was like, so I've I've said just next port when we have Wi Fi, get this app, come to me, I'll talk you through it. You know, blah blah blah. That's well, very sweet. So, but I have your whole program actually loaded onto my iPad. So I, you know, I've got all the exercises, and yeah, just sort of 
I know um, I start with the easier ones and I might do them three or four times over, but I'm just, I'm taking my time. I don't right. sort of go, oh my gosh, I have 20 minutes. I have to warm up and I go hard because to, it works better for me to slowly warm up and then have sort of like a half an hour of nothing mm. and then maybe do a few more before I get on stage. Mm-hmm. So, but it's really a, I, I mean, it's routine and I'm not a mm. routine person at all, but when it comes to preparing for especially a four or five hour show where I know I have to sing and people don't want to just hear easy songs. Once they hear me sing, they want to hear, they want to hear the Whitney. They want to hear, you know, and night after night, after night, after night. So sure. I do six, six nights straight. So it is, it's just, um, it's routine. Yeah. That, that's Muscle remarkable. Memory and, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I'm surprised too. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, you and I have done theatre shows. Well, we haven't done anything together, but we've done shows. And, and you would, every dancer you see, the, their stretch routine is Absolutely. extraordinary, you know. Um, and I, I, I've shared dressing rooms with people and, uh, you know, the best they've got is a clearing of the throat and a, and a bit of a spit into the sink and it on they go. It blows my mind. And so many of those people are off on vocal rest. Oh, you know, all the time. They're, they're, they're constantly mm-hmm. going off. And you think, well, surely it would make some sort of sense. Now, I'm all into the idea of preserving your voice to the extent where you go, well, okay, I've got show after show. I'll, I'll do minimal amount of talking. But at some point, you've got to rev it up to That's get it going. Saying. And in, in theatre in particular, if you've got an opening song that has a high That's C right in it, there. then, yeah. then I, you can't say, well, I'll listen, I'll just do a couple of uh, Easy Lionel Richie ballads to warm up, yeah. you know. I, um, I, and I think certainly not to, to make a comparison in a disfavourable way, to some extent you get that luxury in the piano bar. You could start, you can start off and build. Absolutely. But, it, but you're so right. I've been on enough of those ships, you know, as a performer and also as a passenger to pop in the piano bar and go, I guess when the alcohol's flowing for the for the guests, it's sing song time. <laughs> yeah, and they're and they're after they're after what you've yeah, got. Yeah, and if they've heard know? me do, I've had a lot of people come in and be like, "I brought my daughter in. She can only stay for the first ten minutes. Can you please sing Chandelier?" Yeah, and it's like yeah, just yeah. Do you understand? It's like eight a.m. in the morning for me right now. I've <laughs> yeah. just like it's. I'm just yes. this. I've just it's just all switched on. But yeah. you know, because I've done the preparation, you. And it's rare that I'll do it. I'll be like, you got to give me a little bit more time because mm. I am a long distance. Runner, I'm not a sprinter, so mm-hmm. I actually get, I don't get fatigued by the end. I'm sort of in my element at the end of the four hours. Yeah. So, and I think That's that remarkable. that just becomes, it comes from from doing it. There was a time I was not. I would get through five songs and be like, oh, I'm so tired. But mm. it is, it's just a training to me. It's I, I'm an athlete. That's how I look at it. And yeah. athletes, you know, Olympians, they're up at the crack of dawn every day and they're doing their training. They're in the pool and they're doing lap after lap after lap. They cannot run the race if they haven't done the training. Correct. So, Yep, that's no, a good message. Uh, I I occasionally get people um, who, uh, for want of a better term, are looking at a more effective way to do nothing. You know what I mean? And I I it's like I, weight I loss, just say to it? them, well, that's right. The magic I just pill. I just say to them at some point, especially when I know the history of the amount of teachers they've been to and the people. Then yeah. I think, well, it's possible all those other people were wrong. That that that, that can that can happen, but it's very rare. And I, what I say to the folks now is, what is it you're not willing to do? I mean, just be honest about it. Yeah. If you're not willing to put in a certain amount of time per day, then you need to accept the consequences that go with that. And 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 I try to get them to actually accept that, that that's what goes with it. I don't try and make people feel guilty. That's not my job. No. But if you would like to have the kind of career that you're espousing, then you are going to need to be able, you're going to need to do more than what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Now, that's pretty much straightforward. And yeah. some folks just get that and others go, oh, no, no, there has to be an easy way to do it. Well, if there is, let us know and we'll all log on to it. And I also like the one only workout uh, video as well, one one time only, the one only diet. Right, that's what <laughs> I'm saying. The one only savings People plan. I'd like all like, of there's it, a, yeah. There's, there's got to be an easy way. There's got to be a secret tablet or, you know, but I know people that wake up 10 minutes before showtime, like they'll have a two-hour nap, yeah. wake up and then... They would have already done their hair and makeup before having that nap, and walk. And I'm like, it takes me, I'm going to say three hours to right. completely, physically, mentally, vocally, everything wake up. So mm. it's like if I have a nap during the day on the ship, if I've gone out in the sun, I come back, I still have to be awake out of bed by six p.m. to right. be ready for that nine p.m. Mm. show. I can't any a minute later, and I feel like I'm not. It's not yeah. there. You're tuned in to Live at Lee's Place, where we talk to singers about singing stuff. Proudly presented by VocalMastery.com, where there's never been a better time to become a great singer.
Yes, yeah, so we're having a keeping our water intake up, of course. Every and every single moment of every day. Amazing mugs. I'm going to gift you with a mug with my face on it. Please do. Okay. It's just what everyone should have, in my opinion. <clears throat> um, that's looking fine. Yeah. Uh, all right. Take two. Yes, <laughs> I remember. Um, I was doing a show and um, I had my own dressing room and I took a mattress in there so I could have a sleep in between the matinee and the evening performance. But I said to the stage manager, wake me up at six o'clock for an eight o'clock show. Yeah. There's just, because if I went further than that, I just, it was it was a rush. I'd like to have a little bit to eat, certainly mm-hmm. not too much before the show. I'd like to be well and truly awake and warmed up and whatnot. So I understand that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, what particular exercises do you find get you into that spot that you need to be ready for for the evening performance? Yeah, so for me, I always start, you know, once I've, I've woken up at whatever time of day, I'm not going to give away my secrets there because sometimes it's very much in the afternoon, yes. uh, depending on the night before and how I slept. But once I wake up and wash my face and go for a walk or whatever, I just start with talking. I always just start making sure my talking voice is where I want it to be and it's not sort of, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I'm not sitting back down here or, you know, or it's not, I don't know. I just like to know that the positioning of my voice is where I want it to be and I just start talking gradually mm-hmm. throughout the day. Once I get to that sort of three-hour gap where I'm going to really start warming up, um, I always start with the bubbles, always in something basic, just like a... Like really nice and simple. Do you like that I played that? I can't help myself. Did you like that? I noticed I that. I just played yeah, that. I wasn't as, sure what key you were in there, but yeah, it's um, fine. Yeah, let's not get into that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so I start with basic ones. And then it really depends. I, I have your whole program on my my iPad. That would be this program this right program, here. This program, yes. Yeah. So I have the app on my phone as well, which is great for when I'm driving to gigs on land. But mm-hmm. I have the whole program on my iPad. So I just go through and select ones. But there's um, the one that I do religiously is the snakes and ladder, which is the chromatic. Ah, right. Because I find that one exposes my voice better mm. than any other exercise. I'm not jumping around notes, yes. going straight through that. And sometimes I'll do it after five exercises. Sometimes it'll take me 20 exercises before I go, now is the time to expose the most awful right. part of your voice. But that is probably the only one that I do like religiously every single there, one. There was a reason that I did that exercise um, you know, for years. And I, I'm a fan of sirening and, and uh, all that sort of stuff. Um Although I think uh, for the inexperienced person, sirening or sliding and whatnot can can create havoc for them. Yeah. You know, so you've got to be mindful of that. This seems to work though for singers that, that for them to have a musical pattern to follow. Absolutely. And I and the snakes and ladder thing. So for those folks who are not familiar with my program, I have an exercise. It's a chromatic scale on the way up and just comes down in steps. Yeah. But but as weird as that sounds, you would think that even if you're running even if you're running a major scale. You might go da, 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 through on a major scale, and you think, well, if I'm moving up a semitone, surely I'm going to cover that bridge, a- break, passaggio, whatever you call it. But there's something about when you have to go through it chromatically uh-huh. that really exposes whether the voice is activating yeah. correctly or not. And um, I find that an invaluable exercise. It's one of the exercises I get the most. Well, compliments might not be the right word, but they go, oh, you you know, this is a bit tricky, this yeah, one. Yeah, it is. And I like it. But I find if I'm going through chromatically, then I, I just know the voice is sitting in a good I, spot, yeah. you know. I agree. Well, well not just nice. going through musically chromatically because anyone can make the pitch happen. But if I'm going through with a minimal amount of movement and I'm staying mm-hmm. put and going through chromatically, you know that your voice is in pretty yeah. good shape. Yeah. That kind of leads us in, in an odd way. I'm segueing into... Um, one of the things that we do here at Live at Lee's Place is we have a giveaway. Oh. And um, so we're going to put a little question in at this point. And one of those questions is, based on what we've been talking about, now this may seem to be a trick question. And today's question to be read by Natalie, the oh, first question I is... I don't even know what it is. And beautifully written out on expensive paper, oh, right? Oh, my goodness. Is the first question there. And I'm going to give the answer away anyway, but it will, it will basically... It's, it means that people have been listening at that point. Okay, question one. How long should you warm up for? Great question. Million dollar question. Now, let's you and I talk about that for a sec. It's not boiling an egg, right? It's not three minutes. Nope. That's right. And um, I have people say to me, oh, how long? I mean, there was a, a famous story, um, I believe it was Pavarotti, who said, uh, you know, I warm up, uh, voice not too good. I go to the afternoon, I warm up, mm, not so good, and I'm doing my very broken, very poor, broken Italian accent Wonderful. thing. But at some point he said, gets close to the show, I yell. <laughs> you know. Now, 
Now, he, he was kind of laughing and saying that, but we, I find that for me, my warm-up will start pretty much as soon as I'm as physically awake as possible. Yeah. Now, I tend, I do, uh, I'm an avid runner. And so by the time I come back from a run in the morning, I'm about as awake as I'm ever going to be. Right. Neurologically, uh-huh. aerobically, everything is on. So I normally get in the shower. That's where my vocal warm-up will start because most of my work these days can be 10, 12 hours a day of teaching. Yeah. So, you know, I'm demonstrating all day. And so that's where it starts. Um, but it's a, it's sort of a trick question. It is, yeah. You know? Because I think it, it does, it depends on the person, what they're warming up for, like how long is the, the race they've got to run. Correct. You know, uh, what sort of, you know, it, yeah, a whole bunch of things. But And so where is the warm-up leading to as well? You know, is it yeah. leading into another group of exercises? So is there a definitive answer? And in fact, the answer is there is no definitive answer. So that's question one. Uh, question two. Am I reading again? And by the way, what folks are going to do, they'll be subscribing to this. I know I see everyone in their videos do this thing, but in our description box, we'll have where we want you to subscribe and where we want you to send an email with the answer to these questions will be at voice at vocalmastery.com. Voice at vocalmastery.com. How much water should I aim for per day? Are you asking me? Well, I, yeah, I'm. I'm do you want to know well, what I do? Well, I'm asking both of us. <laughs> um, I'm. I know when I feel hydrated, so I guess mm-hmm. that's for me. Like, as I said on on, a, I think I said earlier on a ship, I go through. I want to have three liters before, right. you know. Uh, I want to have finished that three liters, sort of, you know, two or three hours prior to showtime. Gotcha. So I, because it does, it doesn't, water doesn't instantly hydrate you. It takes time to go through the body mm-hmm. and get to the vocal cords. So people that sort of go, well, I should probably have a, a cup of water before I go on stage. That is going to do nothing except yeah. maybe make you burp. That, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And maybe, maybe wet your mouth. That's pretty much That's it. it. Make, make your lips So gloss. I don't actually like drinking water while mm. I'm singing because I do, I, I've, I just feel like it's in the way and I don't, yep. yeah. So I'm a. So this is a question I'm asked a lot and I can almost always answer without being sarcastic about it, probably more than you are drinking. But let me give you a number. It's, I've got to give you this in um, metric, I'm sorry to say. So for those folks in, um, in ounces, you'll have to work out the, uh, the, the calculation. It's 33 milliliters of water per kilogram of body weight. So right. for a 50 kilogram person, it's about 1.65 liters per day. Now, if you're exercising, it's a little more. Yeah. You know, if it's hot, it's a little more. If you're in uh, the um, drying conditions of air conditioning all the time, it's a little more. That's right. You know? I think the best measurement uh, is two to three hours after you've gotten up, you check your wee. If your wee is not clear, then you are probably yeah. dehydrated. A dehydrated. Now, you may be taking uh, vitamins that might make that a bit coloured or what's that thing people take, the Barocca oh, yeah, yeah, or Barocca something. Things like that, yeah. But if your wee is not clear then you are essentially dehydrated. The other point is that by the time you get the message, oh, I need to have a drink of water, um, you're actually already starting to dehydrate. So you you pretty much got to sip that water all day. So what is the answer to how much water should I drink? Well, I mean, the the math you just gave us, but also, I mean... To me, I feel until my wee is yeah. clear. Until my wee is clear. Yeah. Well, I your, wake in this up case, on... until your wee is clear. Yeah, you know. That's right. Yeah. On show days, though, I wake up. The first thing I do is six hundred mil. Like I have a little. Yeah. And I just mm. down that, and that's my like good morning. It's not. I don't wake up and have a coffee. I wake up and have a bottle of mm. water. And the the, the the thing behind the coffee, and I'm not against coffee by any stretch of the imagination. Oh, I have it, one a day. But it is a. What's the problem with with coffee? It can dehydrate you. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. It can cause reflux too, caffeine. Yeah. So as a very very chronic reflux sufferer myself, mm. I know, and I can only have one a day. I have not had one today yet. There so, you go. But we'll I can the only day is have only early. the days. It's only early, but I can only have one a day. If I have two, that's when right. I start. So. So the, the there is an answer there. The answer is until you are until you have clear wheat. That's the best one to go. All right, moving back, moving on. We're back. Where, where would back be? Um, do you get nervous before performances, and if so, what do you do to calm your nerves? Um, I would 
say it depends on the performance. So w- my regular performance is working in piano bars. Mm-hmm. But if I've just joined a new vessel, like a new ship where I know nobody, or yeah. it's a new company that I've not worked for, or I'm, you know, I know that there's important people on that ship that are probably going to come. Yeah, of course I get a little a little nervous. Um, my way over that is I actually I talk to myself. I remember right. I just I sit there and I go, you have two options here, Natalie. When people walk into your bar, you can be a little awkward and not talk and be nervous and wait an hour till mm-hmm. you get over that. Or you can make yourself be everything that you want to be in this performance the second mm-hmm. the first person walks in the door. And that's what I do. I have to actually tell myself, you have two options. You can fly or you can fall right now. Right. So I just, and it's this mental, and I sit there and sometimes I'll be like, and someone will be like, hey, how are we doing? How should I? Welcome aboard, you know, you're on vacation. like, And I just start having... I just let them know my personality. So I start talking to them on a, you know, as a person, not as I am the performer and I'm going to entertain you. Mm. I don't do any of that stuff. I'm very much what, like what, how I'm talking right now is how I talk to people. If I'm on a main stage, which I don't do as much anymore, that's kind of where I was before I did piano bars. I do get nervous still. Mm -hmm. I actually, only because I think, wow, all I have to concentrate on is my voice. I'm not concentrating on two things. I'm not. I, I don't have people sitting this close to me. There There is a sort of a, a wall between me and the audience in that respect. Whereas in piano bars, there's no, like, I have to let them in. I have you to do. be real. I have to be, show every bit of emotion I can show. Whereas on a main stage, you do have a bit of a, you know, okay. All right. So what about a situation where if you're auditioning, and I know you've auditioned for a lot of um, theatre shows and been successful with some and, and like the rest of us, not, not with all. Well, many. it happens. Um <laughs> Uh, what would, cause that's, that's a totally different environment, right? It is, you just it go is. in and yep. Okay. What have you got for us? Yeah. And it, it sometimes it's, yep. it's somewhat impersonal, uh-huh. you know, yeah, what, really, what would you do in that set of circumstances? Yep. Is, is it the same decision? It, well, I'm just going to let them see who I am. And, I, I do. I, I say you again, I stand outside that door and I know my number's going to get called next. And there's mm-hmm. been so many, and it's funny cause I know when I'm going to succeed and when I'm not, I feel like it's my, my mm. frame of mind. And how much preparation I've done. So if I've picked songs, like if I've really studied this audition and what they're looking for and have I got the right material, have I learnt, you know, did I read the play that the monologue came from and all that sort of stuff. If I'm really prepared and I have this great frame of mind where I'm just like, I like, I want this so bad and I know I'm exactly what they want, I walk in there and I just, I'm just me. I'm just like, how you doing? Nice to meet you. And comfortably go over to the piano player and say, this is where, you know, I want to start. Can we make it sound like... Talk to them like I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. I think the second you walk into a room where you give an idea that you're not in control of the situation, it's just like pulling a thread. It just starts coming undone. Mm. And it can take one thing to make you just go, up, oh, no, no, yeah, no, I, no, nope. Yes, I've had that circumstance where so it is, you, but it's a- you glance over at the audition panel. And there's someone going, and they might be saying, uh, "What are we having for lunch?" You don't. They might not be saying anything no about idea. this girl is no good or this girl's fabulous. And you think, "What are they saying?" So getting distracted is is, is something yeah. that, that that's easy to do. Yeah. Um, we were talking before we came on air about uh, when you were away, about keeping yourself healthy, and you'd mentioned to me. I, I want I want our listeners and viewers to to know about what it's like to unfortunately you know, be unwell and still have to go and perform and what you what you had to do to get through that. Yeah. So um, I think it was two years ago or a year and a half ago, I, uh, I got very, very sick on a ship. And I mean, I've been sick on ships before with a head cold or a chest infection and mm-hmm. I've had to have a day off or whatever, you know, but mm. this was... I can't, I didn't know what was wrong. I just, something was wrong and I was very, very ill and it was affecting my voice predominantly. Mm. And I had a cough that was, it didn't, it wasn't, I got, it was just constant, constant. Anyway, long story short, uh, I didn't really get the help I needed on the ship and I was signed to a three-month contract. I did ask to go home about three weeks after I got really sick because it was just, I could feel it going downhill. Um, but I didn't get to go home. I'm not going to go into that. Um, I didn't get to go home and the pressure was on. I had, you know, the cruise director and, and other, other people saying, you know, there's a lot of people that have booked just to come and see you. Like, can you soldier on? Like, we'll give you a day off Mm. knowing full well that I needed probably two weeks or three weeks off Mm. because I was feeling very fatigued, uh, very agitated. 
I was not eating well because I wasn't feeling like it. I was just sleeping and working, sleeping and working because I had no energy. And um, long story short, when I got home and did did a, I, I finished the three month contract, which yeah wasn't the best idea because I did do some damage to mm. my voice. Um, and I ended up with uh, I guess you'd say like a pre nodule on my right side. Mm-hmm. Um, which was, first of all, an indication that I was sick and it wasn't vocal fatigue because it would have been on both sides of the vocal cords if it was from, you know, singing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was, and I knew it. So I was like, I bet you it's the right side and it's going to, it's going to be about like, I could, I could picture it in my head because I knew mm. where I was feeling the problem when I was talking, when I was trying to sing through exercises and certain songs. I'll never forget my biggest fear for some reason was Tiny Dancer, Elton John, because it went it, Hold me close. That note I could not hit. That was mm. the note that disappeared from my range. And mm. so every time I got to that song, I'd just be like, sing it for me. So it's like <laughs> I remember it so yeah. vividly. I remember how I felt. And um, Thank goodness for the crowd at that point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but for me, I guess my musicality kicked in in that I would sit down and I knew exactly where the problem area was on my, on my vocal cords and exactly mm. where that would fall in a song and whether it would be ha- like if, was, if I was belting that note versus having to flip on that note, the consequences. So I just started singing around. It was like a blessing and a curse. It was like I was smart yeah. enough to avoid mm-hmm. avoid the problem area and I'd sing and people, the people that never heard me sing were just like, you know, and I, I kept apologizing because I was like, I just, mm, I'm no, sorry. You know, me about that. I was yeah. really not in a good frame of mind. I remember calling you from the ship and going, they're making me sing again and, and I listen to this. I can't, I've got nothing. I've got, mm. you know, some days I could, could talk but couldn't sing and other days I could sing but I could not talk throughout the day. So the preparation, that routine that I'd have was just out the window because it just, it wasn't for like, yeah, it was, it, there was damage. It was, it was mm. starting to happen. So, um, but what that eventually did in the long run now, I'm fully recovered now um, after coming home and having a four month break and going to a speech pathologist, coming to see you and just sort of gradually getting back into it. But what it did was created a really unusual technique that I did not want in my life because I've been singing around this problem area that it's like, I guess, I, th- I think you've said this to me before, it's kind of like walking on a sore foot. You alter the way yeah. you walk mm-hmm. and then you end up with maybe a problem up in your hip, which was from mm. your foot because instead of walking like you would, you had something sore here, so you were kind of walking like that. And yeah. then the whole alignment goes out. And so what I had done was kind of shifted my whole technique just sort of slightly mm. like that. It's from just one little problem area. And so I kind mm. of, it took a, it's taken a year and a half to really get back to. There, there's a reason, um, well, well, the reasons you've already given us. The, but the, the thing that's behind um, how we sing is, and this is, this is, I guess, even before technique and even before all the anatomy and all the things that go is that, and I just call it the musician in you. Now, for a lot of singers don't consider themselves musicians. You are. You're a person. In fact, you're one of the, the few musicians that actually has to create the entire thing. Exactly. Whereas the truth is someone, anyone can walk up to a piano and play a note and it sounds the same, doesn't matter whether exactly. a classical pianist exactly. or, or a beginner, right? So the in, this, in our particular circumstances, now whatever sense of pitch you've got, that is what you will become slave to. So the musician in you wins out. And if on that particular night or the particular performance or in fact just in general – if all you do is try and make the note, you'll get there somehow. You know, you see it on TV shows all the time. Uh-huh. You hear it in live performances all the time. And that's because primarily you're trying to make sound. Now, if you've got a good technique, you know, then, of course, that technique will support making yeah. that sound. But if if you're um, obstructed in some way or if you have your pre-nodular or you're unwell, then you're going to you're gonna do whatever you've got to do to get through it. And you know, here or there, that's going to be okay. As it starts to happen on more re- on a more regular basis, mm-hmm. that person's headed for trouble usually. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this is you know the circumstance. And and you reminded me of a story. This um, um, of uh, a Broadway show was Victor Victoria, I think it was, and it was uh, Julie Andrews was pl- was playing the lead role in it. You're tuned in to Live at Lee's Place, where we talk to singers about singing stuff. Proudly presented by VocalMastery.com, where there's never been a better time to become a great singer. So Julie Andrews' husband, Blake Edwards, was also a producer of the show. So there's there's all these really kind of awkward things. Yeah. And um, anyhow, 
subsequently she had uh, made a very rash decision to have a procedure and uh, she's never been able to sing again. That beautiful voice is gone. Yeah. She's still been able to do voice acting. Um, she was in Shrek, I think, the second one, or the, the and, and film and whatnot. But insofar as her singing voice yeah. is concerned, there's a lot more to that yeah. story. But so this is the pressure that can go on. It's, and it's, it is. It, it's so much pressure and it's so scary. And unlike a guitarist that breaks a string and can just fix a string. Yes. You can't, like, you can't, you know, you feel when something's not quite right. And mm-hmm. for me, it, I don't know if I mentioned this, but it turned out to be whooping cough for me. Correct. So it was like yeah. this, um, what I had, and I'd never had it before. I didn't know the symptoms. I just knew that I was, it was coughing, but it was like this nothing cough that was actually very aggressive. And my whole, everything was just, I was faint. I was mm. nauseous. I was, in, and, and it really bring, like brought this down. Like I'd walk to my show that usually I'd be walking going, going to kill it tonight, you know, can't wait, got a full bar. And I would walk and almost be in tears because yeah, I was just like, it's, it's... I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth tonight. And yep. what people come, they don't, like other people that do my job have gimmicks or like props and dirty jokes and stuff like that. And for right. me, people come because of my voice yeah. and my personality and I was lacking both because my personality was so affected by the fact that my voice mm. wasn't where it, I wanted it to be. So it is, it's just, it was this vicious cycle and I was just stuck in this three month contract yeah. and I was only, I was three or not even three weeks in when I, when I started getting sick and it was Christmas Eve. I'll never forget it. And I was just, yeah, I just, it was just right. And you do, you want to play hero. You want to keep going, but you also know something doesn't feel right. Mm. And then, so they would, they give me a day off here and a day off there, two days off in a row, but it wasn't enough. I really needed yeah three or four weeks to just let everything recover. I needed some sort of medicine that they weren't, they couldn't work out what was wrong with me. So I wasn't getting any, like nothing. I was getting nothing. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Um, the, um, you mentioned there about people coming to see you sing. So in the week that we're recording this, um, it was last week, I think, uh, Celine Dion was in Australia and she was in Melbourne and um, a singer, John Farnham, who's um, like a national, he's an icon here, and he's a phenomenal singer. Love. If you, if you don't know anything about him, go and look for him. He's, uh, You'll thank us. Absolutely yes. extraordinary. <laughs> so she's been doing one of his songs, which was a huge hit for him almost 30 years ago. Yeah. And sort of sending out video messages, you know, John, we'd love you to come and sing with us sometime. And, and it turns out on the Melbourne concert, he turned up. Now, the performance is there online. I'll let people mm-hmm. view that for themselves. <clears throat> but what was really interesting for me was was afterwards was the respect between them. And at one yeah. point, did you see John said um, to Celine after she was incredibly complimentary to him, said, you know, I was reading something yesterday. People come to hear you sing. And I think he had a little bit of a sideswipe at a couple of other acts, novelty acts. He said, you know, you're not on a trapeze or you don't arrive on a camel or yeah. something, you know. And I, I, I think he was being disrespectful. What he was saying is... People come to hear you sing and, you know, if if you don't have the novelties and if you're not using the backing track yeah. or, or if you're not using the ghost vocalist, which is basically someone else is singing along with you and you're singing over the top of them, if you're not at that level, which you're not and, you know, you don't need to be, of course, then you've got so much reliance upon your voice that, yeah. that it's, it's just imperative to treat it like what you were talking about earlier is like being an athlete and mm-hmm. taking the best care of yourself. We're going to start winding it down a bit now, but I want to know if, and I, and I, um, I didn't really get into, uh, we didn't have an opportunity to really talk today about some of the guidance you've been able to give some young people, you know, as, as a coach as well, but to up and coming singers with all the experience that you've now got, what, what would you be giving in terms of advice to up and coming singers? Um, I would say find yourself a, a method of singing and a teacher that can talk to you and you understand. For me, it took a long time, and I've said this before, and I'm not just saying it because you're sitting next to me. I The first lesson I came and had with you, I left. I remember calling my mom, and I was in tears. And she said, you oh, didn't, I didn't know that. She said, you didn't like it. And I said, no, I'm right. mad at all the money we've spent over the years with singing teachers. And I learned more in that one hour from that man than I've learned with any other teacher ever. Oh, that's very sweet. I, I, did, I didn't know that was the and case. And it was so, but I'm, I'm I felt frustrated. I felt excited mm. but frustrated. And I remember just saying, can you just book me in for the next year? And I came mm. every single week for that next year because I was just like, I was so excited of what could 
you know, I, what I could do. And, um, and I just had teachers that just, it's like they were teaching because it was a, a job. And I, you know, and mm. I, I mean, if any of them that I went to over the years watch this, I, I do apologize, mm. apologize. But at the same time, I think that you've got to find someone that you can res- like really understand and respond to. And I say that to people that come in to see me, I said, I may not be the right person for mm. you but let's see what we can do. Let's yeah. give it a two or three week trial. If you're not happy, I'm not offended. Okay? Yeah, I, I have the same philosophy. And in fact, I'll, I'll do my utmost to find them somebody where, exactly. the, where the fit is right. I I have a little saying to folks, which is I'd like to be the last vocal teacher you ever have to go to. Now, what I mean by that is not the person who knows it all. Far from it. And I, you know, um, they will probably find a better style coach. They might find a better audition coach. Perhaps, perhaps not. But if that person is willing to commit, and that's what it comes down to, yeah. for the bulk of the time I find people who, I think I mentioned this earlier, they're coming to try and find a more effective way to do nothing. And right. I can't help them with that. You can't help them with that. And really any voice teacher worth their, their salt is just is going to say to that person, listen, you're not willing to do it. Don't waste my time. Just wait, don't waste my time. Yeah. Save your money and do whatever you're going that's to do. Right. So I try to be the person who... Um, and sometimes it's uncomfortable for those people. I don't, I don't apply unnecessary pressure, I think, but I try and paint them into a corner and say, you're there. Do you want to come out? Do you want to do this? Yeah. And if so, I will do what I can to help you with that. And if I'm not the right person to do that, I will find somebody who is. Absolutely. And, um, in truth, some of those people don't come back. Yeah. Oh no, I think they don't. They 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 they. they, Oh yeah, yeah. This is great and wonderful. I'll give you a call next week. You never hear from them again. Right. That's fine. And I'm not. I do not mean this in one bit to be satisfied with the answer with the the response I'm about to give. Rarely have I heard of that person again. In other words, I've I've not put put the radio on and gone. Here's blah 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 person and go. Wow, you know. And and I would be very happy for that. I'm not trying to be. justified in this way if that's the right way to put it mm-hmm. or uh, <laughs> well you know that person I, I, I couldn't care less about that attitude yeah but I must say and I, I say that as a message to singers out there that look it's the commitment that makes the difference yeah and then and as Natalie said finding the right approach and and then adhering to that approach mm-hmm. and giving it time what you're going to see is a common theme on these live at least place um, podcasts and videos is people who are not one or two years into their career, people who have been doing it now for quite a while, who have got real experience to share with you. Now, that's not to suggest that somebody one or two years can't tell you about a whole bunch of stuff, but you've got to be looking at something over the mid to long term to know whether it's working for you. And, um, you know, the people that we've been interviewing so far, in some cases I've had associations with them for 15 and 20 years yeah. And I'm very gratified by that. I can't tell you how humbling that is. But it's not about them um, uh, validating what I've done. It's about them being able to tell first-hand stories, people who are actually doing yeah. it. And I want to thank Natalie for her time today and for her friendship. Uh, if, ta- if only more time allowed, well, the stories I could tell. Oh, no. Mm, yes, some of the funniest things I've seen in my life. But, uh, but with, with Nat <laughs> and uh, her sense of humor. Yes. Uh, well, without question, the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life is where we were both at a course in Tampa in Florida and Natalie was picked to do something from um, Gypsy. Got to get a gimmick, I think, from memory. And she was uh, allocated the part of the trumpet player. So when anyone knows the movie, I want you to imagine someone who'd never played the trumpet in their life. And I'll leave that to your imagination. It, it, it remains the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. So glad. And what a shame that we don't have any footage of that because we put it in that description oh. now. <laughs> well, Nat, um, there's only one thing left for us to say, and that is let's go and have a scene. Let's do it. Thanks for your time, Don. Thank you. Ooh, All this time True as it can be Barely even friends Then somebody bends Unexpectedly 
just a little change Small to say the least Both a little scared Neither one prepared Beauty and the Beast Ever just the same Ever a surprise Ever as before Ever just as sure today's podcast go to youtube.com forward slash vocal mastery where you can catch up with all our other great episodes <laughs>